This morning, uh, we always gather for pre-service prayer at 8.30. Anybody is welcome to come before breakfast tables and pray in the sanctuary for the service. And I, I thought it interesting, Linda Tucker prayed for people that are coming in carrying things that, need, that the Lord wants to take off of you. And then the word that maybe you gave, Linda, this morning. There's stuff that some people are carrying that God wants to remove today. And this is the thing about the kingdom of God. True freedom. True freedom. We just celebrated the 4th of July. True freedom doesn't come from living in a free country under a free political system, right? The kingdom of God is upside down. And some of the freest believers in the world live in extremely controlled anti-Christian nations. And some of the least free people live here in America, land of the free, home of the brave. And so true freedom has to come to us the way it is prescribed through the word. And the picture of true freedom actually is the picture of being surrendered to somebody. That doesn't make sense. And, and when we talk about my freedom, my rights, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to control me. However, true freedom in the spirit comes from submitting yourself to Jesus. And so we're going to begin today in Matthew 11, because true freedom means you're actually yoking yourself to Jesus. You're actually tying yourself to him. And so in Matthew 11, Jesus gives this invitation, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So true freedom is actually a yoking. Let's break this down a little more. See, this is a, I have all kinds of life verses. I think I say it every time I preach. This is a life verse for me because I was yoked with the burden of religion. And I found freedom from that when I came under a new burden. And so Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor, you who are wearied and are toiling. You are striving in yourself to please God, to earn salvation. Come to me, you who are wearied and toiling and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. So to take the yoke of Jesus is to be joined to. That is what it is to yoke yourself. It is to be joined to Jesus. He's gentle, he's lowly of heart. 
you will find rest. Listen, here's rest. Rest is like the opposite of my life. (laughs) It is a cessation of movement. It means you have stopped movement. Jesus wants you to stop moving, stop toiling, stop working. You will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy. I love this because there's a surprising definition in this word easy. It has the usual connotation you would think of, kind, a mild, a pleasant yoke. But then there's this one other phrase in there that says, fit for use. I found that interesting. This yoke of Jesus is easy, and it causes you to be fit for use. So basically, when you're toiling and working in your own efforts, you are no long, you're not fit for use. It's when you take the yoke of Jesus that you become fit for use. My burden is light. That means you're quick and agile. Think about this. Sometimes the, the, the toil of this world, the heaviness of the world gets you like, right? You kind of, anybody ever feel like I'm just moving through life like this, right? So the example I have for you is, you know, Darren, I haven't gone into the backwoods with Darren and, and the girls in many years. And when Darren and I first took our first backpacking trip, the kids were younger, so they stayed with Grandma and Grandpa, and we went to the Rockies, and we backpacked for three days. We went up a mountain. It was a five-mile hike up a mountain, but five miles up a mountain, it took us three days to get up and down again. And so we, this was our first trip. We had no money. If you could see, I wish I had a picture of us with our backpacks. I mean, we were there three days. We could have lived there for three months on what we were carrying on our back. We knew nothing about this world of camping. We had no money. We had heavy equipment, bad equipment. It wasn't until this one started that we started to upgrade. And so we had these towering packs on us, hiking up a mountain, and then we would pass people, and they would laugh at us. They would just laugh at us as they darted by us with their light packs. They would just dart right up that mountain. Or they would be coming down, and we'd be like, we're almost there, right? And they would laugh at us. <laughs> when, we, when we stopped to rest, we literally like just let the pack carry us back. And so what, were we quick and agile on that mountain? No way, man, no way. We were a packed mule plodding up the mountain. That's not the yoke of Christ. The, co- the, the yoke of Christ keeps you quick and agile. And so today we're going to spend a few moments talking about being yoked to Jesus. Here's my other life verse. This one has been maybe one of my longest standing life verses. Out of Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible that talks about the word of God, the precepts of God, 
it talks, it's a great chapter to go through and take note of how the author feels about God's word and what it does for him. And one of the things that his word does is it, it causes you to walk in freedom. And so Psalm 119, verse 45, in the NIV, it says it like this, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Okay, so we know in this new covenant we're living in, who is the living word? Jesus. So because I have sought out the living word, Jesus, I will walk about in freedom. And so there are a lot of days when stuff tries to get on me that I just say, no way, I will walk about in freedom. I just, I tell the world, I tell the devil, I tell myself, I will walk about in freedom. Why? Because of Jesus. Because I am yoked to the living word. I will walk about. So we're talking about freedom and being yoked to Christ. So I... I came across, as I was studying, a way this word yoked is used. I verified it with some of our young people that, yes, this is a thing. So if you are in the gym and somebody is especially built up muscularly, they call that being yoked. Like, hey, Derek, you're really yoked. I feel stupid saying that. But evidently, it is a term. It is a term, Derek. Okay, so you're, you're yoked, you're built up. Let's think about this for a minute, though. What does that person that is yoked, how did they get yoked? They yoked themselves to something else, right? They took on some heavy weights that built them up. That machine or that weight is always heavier than you, your muscle. And so you're always yoking yourself to something heavier to produce the muscle, right? And so it is with Jesus. Can I just say, in this partnership of being yoked, you're not the heavyweight. We're the lightweight. We've yoked ourselves to the heavyweight, though. And he produces in us then strength. He makes us yoked spiritually. How many of you want to be yoked spiritually? I do, right? I want some big old spiritual muscles. On a side note, I'm up to four push-ups a day. I think that might be more than anybody else in my family, including Darren. No, I'm kidding. If he can, he will force himself. I, I say this because when he first started working out, he's like, I did two push-ups today, and I laughed at him. <laughs> I'm up to four. They probably are not in good form, but I do go up and down four times. <laughs> I want to be yoked spiritually, though, so I got to yoke myself to the heavyweight, Jesus. So how do we yoke ourselves to Christ? Here's, we, we want to get practical about this. How do you do that? How do I Monday morning, when I'm facing my stuff, how do I stay yoked to Christ? The first, 
the very first thing that has to happen if you're going to yoke yourself to Christ is that you've got to cast off your current yoke, okay? So now when I'm describing yoke, I'm always putting my arm out like this. That's because I'm envisioning the bar that goes across a team of animals, right, that yokes them together, like on a team of oxen, that wood thing. And, and so when I'm doing this, I'm showing you the yoke. <laughs> and so I, I can't be yoked to, to an animal that already is carrying a yoke. That yoke has to be removed to tie it to the animal. And so we are first yoked to Christ when we come to salvation. We cast off the yoke of sin, and we yoke ourselves and our salvation to Christ, right? Okay, this is our initial yoking. Now, uh, there is this continual yoking, though. We call it sanctification, really. It's us continually growing in his likeness. So I, I say... Often I have given my, my spirit man has yoked to Christ, but I have to continually tell my flesh and my emotions to yoke itself to Christ. Because they're just, we, we walk, we don't just automatically become perfect people when we come to Christ. There would be no problems if the, in the church if that happened, if we were all perfect, right? We're not. If you think you are, you're not. I'm not. And so we have to continually, the Holy Spirit will show us, Amanda, are you telling them all back there that you are? <laughs> I see it. I see it. And Bob's nodding his head in agreement. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> the Holy Spirit continually reveals things in my life that need yoked to Christ. If, if you carry a lot of woundedness, if you've, you've lived a certain way your whole life, there's a, there's a continual yoking of learning his ways. And so there is the casting off of sin at salvation, but we continually through our life must cast off yokes. So when Darren and I were climbing up that mountain, we would climb halfway up the mountain and we would camp for the night and then the next day, we would pack up and camp, go up higher and camp. There, we came to a certain place on the mountain, though, that we, we really wanted to get to the top beyond the tree line. And you cannot get to the above, you cannot go above the tree line carrying the packs we were carrying. We had to cast that off. And then we took on a pack that, what did it have? It had a snack, because I don't go anywhere without snacks. And water. If you don't have water at that elevation, you're not going to last long. And so what did we have to do? We had to cast off some stuff, even good stuff. We had to cast it off in order to go higher. And often we are carrying attitudes. We're carrying um, old wounds. We're carrying bitternesses. Or just, we haven't learned his ways yet. We're carrying old thought patterns and ways of doing life. And he's saying, cast it off. Those, be, those are heavier burdens than what you know and be yoked to me. I've got just the light backpack for you with your daily bread that you need for today. And the water of his spirit to carry you through. 
yoke yourself. In Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, he makes it very clear for us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. I think we should say that. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, author, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that was you and I, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Cast off the things that entangle, that are trying to trip you up. There's an account from May of 2018 of a Connecticut hospital. There was a group of 12 surgeons that worked for five hours. So imagine a table, somebody laying on it, 12 surgeons surrounding this person for five hours to remove a tumor from the abdomen of about, of a 38-year-old woman, not very old, 38-year-old. The weight of this tumor, 132 pounds. I said, this is like carrying my daughter around (laughs) in my stomach. Uh, I said, this is hard enough when she was seven pounds. Can you imagine a tumor, 132 pounds in your abdomen? The patient reported that prior to the surgery, the tumor had grown at a rate of 10 pounds per week, 40 pounds a month. This, this is a naturally a big tumor, but this specific tumor is exceedingly rare in literature, the doctor said. It may be up in the top 10 to 20 tumors removed worldwide. The tumor was technically benign, but it was far from harmless. According to the doctor, the patient couldn't walk. She was malnourished because she'd been unable to eat and was at extreme danger for blood clots and other blood vessel-related damage. Her life was in jeopardy. The doctor said, when I first walked into the examination room, I saw the fear in her eyes. She was so hopeless because she had seen several other doctors and they were unable to help her. Can you imagine going about your day dragging around a 132-pound tumor? The pressure that would have built up inside of her against all vital places, the pressure, that crushing pressure that she carried day to day. And then can you imagine the day after the surgery, the weeks after the surgery? The doctor said she's back to a normal life, back to work, and when I saw her, she was all smiles She saw hope, 
and she was a happy woman back to her normal life and family. This is what happens when we carry around burdens that we're not supposed to be carrying. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's crushing. It's trying to crush the very life out of you. It's time to let go of our tumors. It's, and a lot of times, they start, that tumor didn't start out as a 132-pound tumor, did it? It started out small, and it grew, and it grew. Here's, here's what God's heart for you is. This is why he wants you to be yoked to him. In Isaiah, he gives this beautiful passage, and I'm sure you've heard me quote it, because it's a life verse. It says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. He's talking to Israel who had been disobedient and in bondage and slavery. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. Isn't that good? The Lord wants to teach you to profit. Who leads you by the way you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. And then he says in exclamation uh, point, go forth from Babylon. So he's telling Israel, this is my heart towards you. Now go forth from your place of bondage. Go forth. Babylon represents bondage, slavery, sin. Go forth from your bondage. Why? Because he wants you to profit. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have a legacy that is passed down from generation to generation to generation. It's his heart for you. But we often are not casting off our yokes of Babylon and getting rid of them. So the first thing we've got to do is cast off our yoke. Let go of whatever your tumor is. And then once it's not enough to just cast it off, you got to then fasten yourself right away to Jesus. You're not just getting rid of the yokes to get rid of them. You're getting rid of them so you can get yoked to Christ. Okay? In John 8... Here's true freedom, Jesus says. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And what does truth do? It sets you free. It sets you free. Psalm 119, I will... Walk about in freedom because I have sought your word. It says, hold to his teaching. Hold to him. You don't hold the word lightly. You fasten yourself to the living word of Jesus. Then you know truth. Then you are free. We got to fasten ourselves. We got to yoke ourselves to him. I have another story here of a soldier and, and this soldier's life tells of the difference between possession and enjoyment. And it's illustrated in the story of Louis Delcourt. He was a young French soldier 
during the First World War who overstayed his leave and fearing disgrace, he decided to desert the army. He persuaded his mother to lock him up in the attic for, in their home, and she hid him there and fed him there for 21 years. In August of 1937, his mother died. There was no chance now of his remaining incognito and in hiding. So pale and haggard, he staggered along to the nearest police officer where he gave himself up. The police officer looked at him in utter incredulity and asked him, where have you been that you have not heard? Haven't heard what, asked Lewis, that a law of amnesty for all deserters was passed years ago. Lewis Delcourt had freedom, but did not enjoy it because he did not know that he had it. There are many Christians today that are not enjoying their freedom because they don't realize what they have in Christ. I'm here to make sure you know today, he whom has been set free by Christ is free indeed. You don't have to carry bitterness. You don't have to carry regret and condemnation. doesn't matter what you have done. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we're not earning any favor from God by saying, oh, but I deserve this. I deserve to carry this burden. No, he died for you. You think he doesn't want you to access your forgiveness through the working of the cross? How many of you have sacrificed something to help somebody else at some point in your life? Yeah? How would you feel if they said, no, thank you anyway, but I don't deserve your help. I don't want it. <laughs> Are you saying this is happening, Candace? <laughs> we all have experienced that. You have freedom. It is grace. It is mercy. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But it's been given. And so enjoy your freedom. Cast it off and fasten yourself to Jesus. He didn't just give us freedom from sin, but from whatever holds us in bondage, woundedness, fear, false identities. I was meeting with a lady this week who, from the time she was a toddler, experienced great abuse, great molestation. It has formed her identity. And do you know what's happening? <laughs> I get goosebumps. Jesus is setting her free. Jesus is healing her. Jesus is giving her a new identity that hasn't come from the woundedness of man. Listen, cast it off. Don't carry it. He's come to free us of our bondages. We got to let it go. We got to let it go. Don't be, you know, there's no way on earth, having tasted the freedom of lightweight backpacking, that they would ever go back to what we did that first trip, right? They've tasted of freedom, and they keep saying to me, Mom, you did this back before we knew anything. You need to come now. We think you would enjoy it. I'm still so scarred, though. I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm not willing to taste of their freedom. And we get that way with Jesus. Does he really have freedom for me? Yes. The third thing is then we've 
So we've let go of our yoke. We've yoked ourselves to Christ. And now we have to stand in our freedom. In Galatians 5.1, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And then he gives this exhortation, do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You know how many people I've seen that have experienced the freedom of Christ and turned back to their bondage. You got to stand fast. When he sets you free, you got to stand fast in that. You have to stay yoked to Christ. We, we said that tumor starts as a little thing, right? And so think of Song of Solomon chapter 2. They're talking about his vineyard. And, and here's what he says. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. For our vines have tender grapes. You can have beautiful freedom. And if you don't stand in it and if you don't guard it, if you don't keep the little attitudes and the little sins, little foxes out of your vineyard of freedom, you will go back to your bondage. You got to stand in the freedom. Stand in the freedom. And lastly, and here's doing life with Christ, being yoked to him. Now, we've walked through getting free. We've walked through being yoked and standing in it. Here is the fruit of it all, walking with Christ. Now you are keeping step with Christ. What did I say in Psalm 119? I will walk about in freedom. Listen, when you're yoked, when two animals are yoked, they cannot go in two different ways. They have to go in one direction together. And so being yoked to Jesus means you're going to go his direction. And so when I say I will walk about in freedom, it's because I'm now keeping step with where Jesus is taking me. There's no kidding ourselves. I'm not the one pulling this thing. Jesus is. I'm just walking next to him, enjoying the ride. I'm just walking next to him, enjoying the ride. Why? Because his yoke is easy and it's light. It's for your good, not your harm. And so I will keep in step with Jesus. In Isaiah 28, there's this beautiful picture of, of what the Lord wants to do for his people. And it says, whom will he teach knowledge? Whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breasts? So in, in those days, they would nurse longer, and so they would nurse the child almost up until time for it to go into school. So he's teaching these young. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, 
line upon line. Here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Many would say that would be the other nations that God used to try to bring Israel back to himself. To whom he said, this is the rest with, with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, my yoke is easy for I am lowly and gentle of heart. And I don't know what your schooling is like. You, you can remember back in the day, this is how we teach little ones, isn't it? Line upon line. We don't throw them into geometry on their first day of preschool, right? We build through the years. Or I don't know, if you're an awesome math teacher like Shelly, you might be able to. <laughs> she teaches at ISU. <laughs> if you need math therapy, you can go talk to her. She'll put a love of math in you. She's tried with me and has not been successful. <laughs> I'm an unwilling student. And isn't that the truth? Oh, I love the illustrations. Shelley would love to teach you all math, not so that you would just learn how to do it, but because if you talk to her at all about math, you discover her great love for it. Her face lights up. She gets very excited about it. Why? She loves it. And what she would want to teach you isn't necessarily the skill of it, but the love of it. And so this is a kind of teacher that we have. God is not trying to teach us so that we can flawlessly fulfill the law. We know that doesn't work. He is teaching us so that he can create love within us for him, for relationship. See, Shelley has a relationship with math, as do I. Mine is negative. <laughs> That's not true. I don't have one. I avoid it at all costs, right? She has relationship with it, though. And this is the heart of God. He is wanting to teach his children. Why? Not just so he can teach you line upon line of the law and trying to fulfill it. No, we fail at it. We cast that yoke off. He is wanting it. So what in verse 12? This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing Jesus is the refreshing, and he is teaching us. When we keep in step with Jesus, it is, it, what did he say to the woman at the well that had been trying through multiple men to find satisfaction, and it hadn't worked for her? And Jesus said, no, 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 that's because you've been drinking from the wrong well. I'm the living water. And he who drinks of me will thirst no more. When we are keeping in step with Jesus, we are walking with our daily bread, with the continual living waters that are for our refreshing. And so does it mean that there's not going to be hardship and difficulty and pain? No, it doesn't. And you can ask any believer in any part of the world that has suffered, 
and yet carries joy. Why? They've yoked themselves to the living water. They've yoked themselves. And though our outward man may perish, our inner man keeps on growing. Why? We're yoked to Christ. We keep in step with Christ. The, the miserable Christian is the one that continually tries to pull out of the yoke. It's continually trying to get out of it. Man, if we just would go with Jesus, you would be refreshed. You would, the, the weariness, you know, you know, people often are talking to Darren and I like, oh my goodness, you got two churches. This should all be weary and heavy. And, and we're like, well, we're tired, but, but we're loving ministry more than ever. Why? Because when it's the yoke of Christ, it's easy and it's light. And so this morning, I'm going to ask if the worship team would come back right now. This morning, if you have been carrying yokes, maybe this is the first time that you have, you've never come to Christ. You've never cast off that first yoke of sin and saying, I want my life to be yoked to salvation of Christ. This is the first step for you today. You may have already done that. You may have been, you know, I've been a believer now for like 38 years. And do you know I'm still continually casting off things and yoking myself in a greater way to Christ? Still. There are so many things that become so deeply ingrained in us that it's only as we keep. The one thing I know in my life is I'm working to keep in step with Christ. And if I, if I keep making that decision day after day after day after day after day, then day after day after day, Jesus shows me what life with him should look like and what I need to cast off to be more one with him. This is the goal, to be one with Christ. This is his prayer, is that we would be one. To be in Christ and to just be. Not working to be in Christ, but to just be. And so this morning, as we worship for a few more moments, I want to open up the altars. And we don't always do. Sometimes we let you just respond in your seat. But what I know from the ministry of Jesus is that the people that really needed to throw off some yokes, they got a little desperate. They called out to Jesus. Wait, Jesus, wait. Why? I need something. They searched him out. They got a little desperate and they didn't care who was watching or who saw there's something that happens when you move and publicly move toward Christ, when you move out of something old and into something new. There's something about that. And every one of us in this room have had at some point or another to do it. The many times that I've been at the altar letting go of yokes, letting go of woundedness, letting go of betrayal, letting go of pain and hurt. Letting go when, when 
you're diagnosed with something, when, when, when the doctor says, wait a minute, there's something wrong with your child's heart, where do you find yourself at the altar casting off that yoke and taking on the yoke of Christ? It doesn't matter how old you are, time and time again, don't think you, you're never going to have to cast off another yoke. You will. And so there's no shame in coming forward and casting off yokes of heaviness. It's exchanging it. That's the power of the altar. And the altar was birthed in that Old Testament when they brought the sacrifice to God and they offered it up. And what were they doing? It was a moment of exchange. It was a moment of exchange. They exchanged what they brought to the altar for what God wanted to give to them in place. And that's what coming to the altar is about. A moment of exchange of you releasing your burden and receiving the yoke of Christ. And so the worship team is going to begin to lead us. I'm just going to ask if we'll all stand for these last few moments. I'm going to ask if our elders would go ahead and come up to the altar. And if you want, you can come and you can find a place on your own if you just want to do it, you and Jesus. If you want one of them to agree with you in prayer, there's something about the power of prayer with one another, then you come and you find one of them. But let's begin. If you're not going to, if you don't need to come up, I want you just to begin to worship and pray for those that are, okay? And so Jesus, right now, we just, we come to your, your feet and, and we just say, God, we want all that you have for us. We want to live in true freedom. We don't want to keep lugging around all of these weights, all of this heaviness. We want to exchange it for the joy and the peace that you have for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you.